Dig into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 26 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. I'm your host, Brian O'Grady. With me, as always, my co-host, J.A., Justin Ayers. Me and J.A., before every episode, debate which episode number it actually is. And for the first time tonight, I got it right. So I'm pretty excited about that. J.A., got it wrong. How are you feeling about that? Uh, not great. Math was never my strong suit, though, so I don't claim to be a math guy. I'm an ideas guy. That's what I always say. I have to pull my, my cell phone out at a restaurant to do the 20% tip calculation. So, you know, that's just that's just what happens sometimes. Uh, but, yes, excited to be back on. For our YouTube uh, viewers, Brian's backdrop today is it's 10 out of 10. He's got like a, like a big oval above his head. It, you know, he looks like he's in a very expensive hotel, so... Uh, head over to our, the Breaking Bats YouTube channel to see what we're talking about because it is—it's an all-time backdrop. I got to be honest with you. We we're at the uh, Prince Hotel in Sapporo. Uh, my team, so uh, Cebu, my team, uh, the company Cebu owns a bunch of hotels, and they own the, all the Prince hotels. So. Well, there's Prince Hotels is where we stay. But, yeah, so it's, it's it's a nice room. I will say they, uh, my only complaint, the AC is lacking in this place, and I'm a big I'm a big uh, sleep-in-the-cold kind of guy. You know, in the United States, in the hotels, that thing's on as low as it goes, whatever that is, 60, 63, whatever. It's an ice cube mm-hmm. in my room when I'm sleeping. So it does I, – I, I have a – oh, there it is. I got a fan back there. Otherwise, uh, it would not be good sleep, not beauty sleep for for me. So, but other than that, very nice hotel. I'm just uh, I'm a little polar bear when I sleep. It's it's a fantastic backdrop, and yeah, you're right. The best part about going cool. to a hotel is hitting the, the down arrow on the thermostat. Like, All right, baby, <laughs> how low can we get? Sometimes yeah. you'll find a weird one. It'll get down to like 58 or something. So yep. it's a fun game you can play. Um, so yeah, just another reason <clears throat> check out the Breaking Bats YouTube channel to see what Brian and I are talking about. Um, this episode this week, though, it's brought to you by our friends at Psalm Sleep. Uh, speaking of sleep, you know, look at that segue. Uh, are you having there trouble you getting enough sleep at night? Because Psalm Sleep's got you covered. They have the scientifically advanced Psalm Snack. It has ingredients that are naturally found in your body, like melatonin and magnesium. Sleep is the best form of recovery, and it's helped people everywhere take their game to the next level. Uh, it's simple. All you have to do is drink Psalm Sleep 30 minutes before you go to bed, and your body will naturally calm itself down. I love it. I, you know, I, I think I'm getting a shipment of, of Psalm Sleep here soon. It's, it's going to help me out because I sleep horrifically. Uh, other sleep supplements leave you feeling groggy in the morning. That's not Psalm Sleep. Wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day. So to get Psalm Sleep, you're going to go to getsom.com, click shop, and enter the code BATS. That's B-A-T-S at checkout for 10% off your entire order of Psalm Sleep. All right. We got a lot in the news category this week. It's been a big week. You might not think it's been a big week, but there's a lot to talk about in the baseball world. We're going to start with Brian San Diego Padres. Uh, they scored their first run in 26 innings on Tuesday, courtesy of Juan Soto's first Padre home run. Uh, Sh- Soto, by the way, is just killing it. He's reaching base at nearly a 500 clip since his trade. 
Uh, and he recently passed Ted Williams for the most walks by any player before age 24. So Soto's killing it. The team's not really. They've lost, they had lost five straight. They got swept by the Dodgers in LA. The Giants had already beat them once. They were probably going to beat them again because Josh Hader blew a save. Manny Machado said, no, no, no. Walk off home run to beat them and get them back on track. So if we look at the NL West standings, the Padres are 16 games out of first. However, they have just a one-game lead over the Brew Crew for the third NL wildcard slot. My question to you, Brian, how worried are you? I'm not worried. Not worried. Um, <clears throat> first of all, uh, we, we said this before we started recording, they're still missing Toddy. I mean, talk to me after, you know, Toddy's played 10 games at least because – what a difference maker he is! Arguably, the biggest dif- the biggest difference maker in that lineup. So he gets back out there that the the whole vibe of that place, man, is just gonna it's just gonna change. The whole vibe of that city is gonna change. He's electric and he's he's so talented and that's uh you know one of the best OPSs in the game coming back in there. Some of the best power. So I'm not worried. Uh, I'm sure the fan, you know. It started off about as good as it could have, right? That first game they played, Drury hits a grand slam in the first inning. They put up five or whatever runs it is in the first inning. They all, you know, Soto, Bell, and Drury all were on base or whatever. Goes great, you know. But it's baseball. It's not a – I think it looks worse to people because they went to L.A. and got swept. Because the Dodgers are supposed, you know, supposed to be the team that they're they're chasing, and it's the Dodgers. And you know what? They went there and lost. So what? If it was somebody else, I don't think it's as big of a deal. But because it's like we're still not beating LA, people take it a little more seriously. Yeah. Again, Fernando Tatis Jr. hasn't played, so not worried. Josh Hader blowing the save. Hurts a little bit, but kind of just, you know, like, really, it's going to fucking happen like that, that quick. But it's bound to happen. Get it out of the way. He'll be fine. They're going to be fine. Manny, huge walk-off. That was awesome. It was a great swing. They needed it. They needed it. I will say that. They needed it. Soto's been as advertised for sure. I know you said uh, almost 500 or at 500. Reaching, uh, you know, OBP since he's been over there, his his average is really high too. And obviously, the first homer got them their first run in twenty six innings. Yeah, I saw I saw some tweets about that one today. They're gonna be all right. It, it's just that microscope when you make a deal like that, you know, all the attention's on you. So you you know you you lose a couple games there. I was like, oh well. If, what about Soto and still missing Toddy? So hit him with the old Aaron Rodgers, relax. It's going to it's gonna end up <clears throat> just fine. I don't think you're catching the Dodgers. I don't think they're catching the Dodgers. However, they're going to win one of the wild cards, so they'll be fine. What do you think? I think you're right. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a 16-game lead that the Dodgers had on them, so that's tough for yeah. anybody that really wants that you know, that, that NL West title, but I, I think you're right. I love the Brandon Drury edition. I watched him, I think it was Sunday night baseball. They put him at first base 
Uh, guy was picking it over there. So, you know, that's that's the little added bonus you get because you can DH Bell. You can put, uh, you know, Drury at first. Versatility out the ass with this guy. So um, I, th- I think that's a solid pickup. The hater thing's tough, but, y- you know, you just got to play the numbers. Like, realistically, he's not going to do that that often. You'd hope not. And, you know, w- you know when he's on, he's untouchable. So yeah, I-, I think, yeah, hit him with the R-E-L-A-X. Everything will be fine. And that and a wild card picture you know, the brew crew are creeping up on them, but I think the Padres out of anybody, I, I think they have the most talent to go around in that whole race. So um, I, I think they're going to be fine. But yeah, you're right. Fernando Tatis, a little good news for the Padres fans. He had his best rehab start to date. He went two for two with a double and a triple. They were going to put him in center field, but apparently it had rained in the Padres double A affiliate. So they didn't want him slipping on the wet grass. So uh, they, they have Tati playing the infielder D agent or something, but they are going to put him out there in center. I don't entirely know why, uh, I, I don't, I don't really know why they would stick him out there in center to rehab, but yeah, Toddy looks like he's, he's, uh, starting to get the hang of it there. A couple hits, a double and a triple, um, showing that speed off playing some shortstop, right. Some DH, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the center field thing, I, you know, he's obviously a good enough athlete. He's done it or he's played outfield. When lefties are throwing, um, Hassan Kim has actually done a pretty good job against lefties this year. I know his numbers are good. so And he's always been a good defensive shortstop, so they might want to keep him at short while that bat's producing and maybe stick Toddy in center when there's lefties. You know, I, I'm not <clears throat> entirely sure, but they want to get him some work out there. They've been moving people around. I mean, I know Will Myers has played some center field now too. And Will also played some first base for the first time in a while. So I think they're just trying to see where they can mix and match and ride who's hot or, or maybe just get some advantages there with the matchup. So, but obviously the last thing they want is, <laughs> is Donnie to get hurt playing center field and fucking double A. So we'll see how that goes, but man, I, I'm, you know, going with what I was saying earlier, I'm, I'm excited to see him back and playing because he's phenomenal. And I'm excited to see that team as a whole when he's back. And without putting too much emphasis on it, when they play the Dodgers the series, is it's going to be fucking epic. My uh, my uncle actually is going is to be in San Diego when they play. I think it's the end of September. And he is like, hey, man, think you get me tickets? Like, you know any of your connections over there. And I'm like, that is probably a hard one to get right there. Like that shit's probably mostly sold out already. I would bet. So going to be awesome to see, but again, they keep, they keep comparing themselves to Dodgers. I know it's the West too, but it's like, I don't know, man, the Mets scare me. The Mets were my pick and they still are very scary. And they got the ground back and Scherzer out it's, I don't know, but nevertheless, can't wait to see Toddy out there and it's all going to be fun. Yeah. I'm just curious. Like they, they are taking it kind of slow with him. I think when Bob Melvin was asked about a time, like timetable, he's like, well, mid August ish. So, uh, you know, they, they obviously they don't want to put a, a number on it or a date on it, but, um, yeah, they said that when he does come back, he's also going to be, uh, using that DH spot pretty heavily. So that's gonna be interesting to see how the lineup will kind of be tailored around that. Lots of off days, lots of DH. Uh, you know, like maybe some center field, like you mentioned. Yeah, I, I did see Will Myers out there, so that was 
Um, you know, it's usually like, was it Trent Grisham is usually their center fielder too? Yeah, it's usually Grish. Uh, I don't think his uh, offensive numbers are where he wants them to be or typically where they would be at so far this year. But, you know, he's very good defensively. Um, and that shit can, can turn just like that. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he's actually been hitting fairly well, like for a decent amount of time now, but it was, uh, just kind of that big of a struggle in the beginning that the numbers are a <laughs> tough hole to, to dig out of a little bit. So, but man, you know, it's, it's how the game is today too, especially with the DH and not pitchers and, and pinch hitting as much like. If you can move guys around, it just kind of makes the team a little more versatile and you can give guys those days off or, you know, exploit a matchup that you like and get another guy in there, whatever it is. So, you know, if that's uh, – I'm sure if he asked Toddy that they, you know, would be in the World Series and if he was playing center field, he'd probably be like, all right, yeah, let's do it, you know, so – whatever uh, that that team's definitely trying to win games and win a world series so i don't think anybody's worried about where they're playing yeah i mean it seems like they got a lot of guys that can kind of, kind of play all over too which is good for mixing and matching um well cool all right so the next thing we have up for you guys is adley rutchman's impact on the baltimore orioles so the orioles are right now are 58 and 52 six games over 500 something that i never thought i would see uh in a year where nobody thought they'd be any good. They're only a half game behind Tampa for the third AL wild card. So another one of Brian's team there is, you know, Orioles are nipping at their heels. Um, but I think a large portion of their success has to be attributed to their rookie catcher phenom, Adley Rutschman. So he debuted on May 21st. And since then the Orioles overall are 42 and 27. And when Adley's in the lineup, they're 38 and 25 and without they're 20 and 27. Um, there's just like such a stark contrast to the way the team performs with him in it and him not in the lineup. Have you ever seen like one individual player have this big of an impact on a team? You know, I'm sure there is. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't, I can't think of one. I mean, and you know, what's crazy is like, I feel like it's so quiet too. Obviously you're an Orioles fan and you're a big Adley Rutschman fan. So you are a little more aware of it. I think everybody's aware that the Orioles are fucking playing awesome. Let's give them that. But I don't think, at least I wasn't until earlier today. I think I saw a stat before, before I even saw any of this of how well he was playing. I didn't know he was, he was doing all this. I mean, it's amazing. And I think you're totally right. He's uh, he's obviously been a big part of that turnaround there. Um, I do believe uh, one, a former Oriole too, uh, Manny Machado had a pretty good impact. I don't know exact numbers, but um, that team, when he first got called up, he also just celebrated his 10 years uh, in the major leagues, which is awesome. So shout out Manny. But when he came up, they weren't really expected to be a playoff team and they brought him up to play third base and they really didn't look back. So, Maybe the Orioles got something going on with that. But, man, even if – there can't be too many, right? And I, if we're being totally honest, I can't imagine there's too many teams that if this situation did happen, that they were expected to be as bad as this Orioles team was. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's even, like, more impressive 
with them. But good for him, man. I mean, again, it's it's crazy to me, and maybe I'm a little bit out of touch. I don't think I am, but it's crazy how quiet this is all going on. Not the Orioles, but Adley. I mean, good for them. Good for him. That's uh, that's it's amazing, really. I'm sure you're loving it over there. Oh, it's it's the best. The, just the way he handles himself, and even the way he handles a pitching staff. I think I heard this might be a couple days old of a stat, but he was in like the 91st percentile for pitch framing. He had thrown out like 33% of runners trying to steal or something like that. So he's the total package, and he just looks like he has so much fun out there on the field. Like the Orioles social team does a great job of clipping these things where, you know, the the pitcher will get the last out in the ninth, and then Adley will come up and do a dance and hug him. And just like you you never – like he he never not has a smile on his face when he's out there on the field. And from a fan's perspective, it's it's, it's infectious. Uh, I know my guy Barstool RDT, he's big time into to tweeting these Adley Rutschman clips out. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just like a golden retriever out there. He, he just loves life and he loves playing ball. Um, I have some fun Adley Rutschman stats because I feel like I look on Twitter and every day there's a different Adley Rutschman stat about the amazing things he's done. So per the Elias Sports Bureau, Adley's the only rookie catcher since 1900 to record 20-plus doubles in his first 57 games. Not too bad. Uh, this is a couple days old, but Adley had the second-highest war and weighted runs created plus among rookies. He only trailed Julio Rodriguez. So he, I don't know. Rookie of the year for AL is going to come down to probably him and J-Rod. And then uh, he's number one in the league in on-base percentage since the All-Star break with 529. This guy does it all like... I, I knew when they drafted him they had something special, but I didn't realize the impact he would have so quickly. So uh, when you hear numbers like that, I mean, that's got to make your head turn, right? That's serious. I mean, that's that's serious, dude. That is <clears> – <throat> anytime you got the highest on-base percentage for a decent amount of time in the major leagues, you're doing something right, especially as a, a you know, a kid coming up, a rookie coming up. Those are, uh, it's, that's phenomenal. And that's going to be a great race with without a doubt. Obviously uh, – Man, there's so much that comes with being the number one overall pick. Not that I would fucking know, but I would imagine. Uh, one, obviously, you get the opportunity and, you know, all the, the perks of it. But also, it comes with massive expectations. <laughs> like, massive expectations and pressure. And he seems like he's doing just <laughs> just fine. <laughs> obviously talented, but I mean, handling it, like you said, uh, mentally and just the kind of player he is, I, he's, that's, it's just phenomenal. That's all I can say about it. And also like, I, I know the Orioles, like I obviously it still kind of, you know, chafes me a little bit. The fact they traded Trey Mancini, I feel like he was probably a big influence on the locker room and just like a tone setter. But like, I wonder how much of that role has kind of been picked up by guys like Adley Rutschman and obviously Ruben Neto doors. Every time he hits a home run, it's in a clutch situation. It feels like, but like, do you remember playing with guys like him where it's just like his like unbridled, like, you know, infectious personality, his like enthusiasm for the game? Like, do you remember playing with guys like that? And did, does it help kind of rally the team up having a guy who's, like I said, like a golden retriever out there? Absolutely. I remember playing with him. I uh, play with him now. And it definitely, you need guys like that. It, it definitely helps when it's like your best player. <laughs> It makes it even better, but you need guys on the team that's that have that kind of attitude because me personally, like 
I'll be too intense or I'll be so hard on myself or whatever. Like I need people with that kind of attitude around. Otherwise I'll be absolutely miserable. So like one first person comes to mind when you say that is Blake Trahan, who was a really good shortstop uh, played the major leagues for the Reds. Then just uh, kind of retired. Great dude. <laughs> Love him. But he's about, uh, if he's listening to this, he's going to, he's going to be really mad at me. He's about five foot seven, uh, 165 pounds. One of the best defensive shortstops you could ever find, but man, that guy, the energy and just the enthusiasm every day was, was unbelievable. I'd be pissed off and he'd be, but he's Cajun, like straight from Louisiana. It's, I played with him for four years and there were still things he would say. And I would look at him and be like, dude, I don't know what the fuck you just said, but it wasn't English. And he's just the best dude. He used to give us speeches like fucking around all the time. Um, so I'm laughing, thinking about it. It's great. Uh, but yeah, it's it's awesome. You need dudes like that. And then when it's your best player, it just makes it more. I don't know. The whole team sees it more that way. And he's obviously a leader being the catcher too. So it seems like they found a, a real a solid piece there in, uh, in Baltimore. You mentioned that you're kind of a serious guy. I think back to our conversation with Joe Musgrove that we had a while ago. And I think he was remember he, the way he described you is say, he said that you're like, like the first few innings of the game, that's like Brian O'Grady territory. Cause he said, you're amped up, you're locked in, you got the tape on, you're just sitting there like, let me at him. Like, is that, do you, do you kind of keep that mentality still? Is that still your thing? There's a difference between starting and coming off the bench, especially the way baseball used to be when you knew that you, like the pitcher was hitting in the NL. So you knew you were going to pinch hit or like something was happening at some point. So like <clears throat> when I was doing that, yeah, first couple, you know, two, three innings, you're not really expecting anything tap me even into the fourth like that's kind of you know probably unless something's going horribly wrong or someone gets hurt you're probably just chilling at that time so that's when I'd be sitting there with Joe and whoever you know bullshitting messing around by either you know support my teammates whatever it is but then once once the fourth or fifth hit then you start moving get into the cage you know you're playing all the games in your mind, like, all right, this happens, you know, whatever. And it depends on the pitcher too, obviously. If the dude's cruising, it could be different. But, yeah, there's there's kind of that switch in there where you're like, all right, time to lock it in when you're not starting. But when you're starting, like, here, normal, no, I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm from Philadelphia. Like, it's how I grew up. I grew up in tents. The place is intense. It's just in me. I can't help it. I live in the South now. I live in Florida, way out in the panhandle. I just, I can't, I love it there. I can't get away from playing with that kind of chip on my shoulder that like kind of pissed off playing. Like that's just, that's what I know. I don't, like, people are like, have fun. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking fun when I have four fucking hits and two home runs. And, you know, it's not fun when I'm 0 for 4, trust me. But, and we win. So that's just kind of how I roll. I can't, you know, (laughs) I've had multiple people throughout my career tell me to care less. And I was like, how does that even, what do you mean? Care less? What, what, what? I'll never forget that. Billy Dorn was, uh, when I was with coming up with the Reds, he was the minor league field coordinator. So he basically oversaw the, 
Marley guys. Billy is like legend, just awesome. One of the just just phenomenal. And I don't remember what we were doing, but he came back in, you know, calls me in his office. And I I don't even know. I guess I might have been in like low A or high at the time. Like it was early in my career. And he's just said, you know, you're a really good player. And I was like, thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. He was like, but you need to figure out how to care less. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean, Billy? What does it even mean, care less? I'm trying to get the fucking big leagues here. I'm not supposed to care less. It fucking matters. It's my life. And, uh, you know, he just said things along those lines. Like, you're going to be a better player if you can care less. And I think there's truth to it. I think it's easier said than done. Still trying it sometimes. But uh, I don't know, man. I can't help it. Blame Philadelphia. Philly did this to me. What a what a place. Maybe, maybe a miserable – intense human being that's that's <laughs> fascinating i mean no because you're right because it, it is like your job like I, I can understand where they're coming from like hey man you know don't take everything so seriously but it's like especially in the minor leagues i would be the same exact way it's like i don't want to be riding the buses and eating pb and j's i want to be up in the big leagues so yeah i'm going to lock it in every single day uh that's that do a lot of guys have that kind of mentality too were, were you not alone in feeling that way you felt like It's probably a good mix. I mean, because <clears throat> you have some guys who like, I don't want to say everything's handed to them, but, you know, they're, they don't, like if they're a high school kid and they're drafted, especially high, they haven't had, like they've never experienced failure in their careers. They dominated high school. And, you know, summer ball and whatever else, because they're, they're obviously high draft picks. And then they got a ton of money to come play baseball. So it's like, they don't even get it yet. So maybe they don't, maybe they don't care as much. And obviously some other people just have that kind of like disposition about themselves and they're just not as, not that they don't care, but they're just more laid back and more relaxed. Probably like California kids is probably actually a really good example of that. Um, but then, you know, you got, I, I would say people like me, like <laughs> I had to, I had to fight for everything I, I got in my career and everything I have in my career. And that doesn't stop. Like I've never just been able to like coast and chill and just be fine. I've always had to feel like I've always had to work harder and figure stuff out and work my way up. I didn't, wasn't really given anything. So it just kind of comes with that, honestly. And uh, I mean, am I going to say that there's times <clears throat> when that hurts me? I'm sure there are where I do a pretty, I will say I do a pretty good job of being pissed off, but using it as opposed to just letting it like affect my game. And like, I'm, I, I don't play good because of it. Like I use it as like focus and motivation, but uh, yeah, I've been known to, burst out a little bit sometimes, but, uh, you know, man, I think without that, I wouldn't have gotten to where I've gotten to. So just roll with it and do my best to try to enjoy it and <laughs> care less. Sometimes it's something you know, it's funny is to we're rambling on about, or I'm rambling on about this, but it is the more you play and like the higher level you get to, it's kind of like a day-to-day -day 
battle of mentally where you need to be to perform that day. And it's different for pitchers or position players or person to person. But, you know, some days I'm like, all right, I need to calm down, care less, fuck it, whatever. Let's do it. And other days I'm like, all right, I need to, you know, get it going a little bit here, be a little more, be a little more intense. And it's just learning yourself and learning what you need. But I think baseball, we play so many games that (laughs) one day it could be, it could be that. And the next day you're like, this ain't working at all. So you got to figure something else out. So, because at some point it's not as much physical, it's physical, but it's also a lot of mental too. And, you know, I've swung a bat so many damn times in my life. Every time I think I change something in my swing, it ends up being just about the damn same. So it's like, it's really make a difference. <laughs> really make a difference. It's like up here that's making the most difference. That, this is this is great. Yeah. What what, what would Justin Sua say? Or or like, did he talk to you about that kind of stuff in Tampa? I think we've. T- I think we. I think it's on the Sua podcast. He knows. I've. Sue knows, Sue knows my innermost secrets. Uh, no. And he, we've had this conversation before and it's like, okay, where, because I'm also real into like one of the things I used to, to focus during the game is breathing, like breathing techniques. Like when I'm hitting, it's, I'm trying to focus on my breathing. So I'm not thinking about anything and it's just reaction and stuff. <clears throat> so you know, me and Sue would talk about like a scale of one to 10, where would you say like you need to, where would you say you're at when you're playing your best, like pumped up or zened out? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like a six, like probably the best, like a, you know, relaxed, but a, just a little bit like, all right, let's go. But get too high, you know, do the breathing or whatever it is and come back down a little bit. Or if it's, you know, I'm a little too Buddha and Zen over here. It's like, all right, well, let's fucking go a little bit, bring the Hulk out a little more and let's get after it. So dude, it's constant. I'm doing it now. It never stops. You think you figure it out and then you don't. And then you get back and you're like, okay, got it this time. And the next thing you know, you don't, and you're just, it's just never, never ends. I'd love to hear. I'd love to ask, Mike Trout, if that happens to him or if it's just us mere mortals in baseball that it happens to. But I bet you he would say he does the same thing. That's fascinating. I love that conversation. That was I, – I don't know how we got there, but I'm glad we did. So I don't know either. I liked it. I, th- I think people will like it too. Um, it's it's late in Japan here, man. I'm just, I'm just running on fumes. I don't know what I'm saying right now. <laughs> uh, one last, <laughs> last thing about the Orioles that will transition out of that. Uh, the Orioles hadn't had a winning month since August of 2017, which reading that hurts me a little bit. But, uh, you know, obviously since then they've been better. And they also hadn't strung together consecutive winning months since April and June of 2016. So uh, look out for the Baltimore Orioles. They may have traded their all-star closer in face of their franchise, but damn it, they keep winning. So <laughs> there's, some, there's something to be said for that. Uh, and Mancini's killing it in, in Houston, and Jorge Lopez, not so much in Minnesota. But... You know, Adley, Adley Mania. And Rugnet Odor, his 11 home runs, I think I read six of those were high leverage. So I don't know what they classify as high leverage, but shit, they're cool. Was that a walk-off today or yesterday? Or was that just a 
I, game I think that was winner. just a big situation. Yeah, I don't I don't think that was a walk-off. It was a great pimp job. Whatever. Oh, yeah, because I saw Batista came in and they were talking about Batista's uh new walkout song and thing they had going for him. Because did you do you see everyone uh the Edwin Diaz video? Yeah, that's take it over baseball. Like the trumpets, he's been doing it for a while, I thought. Yeah, he has. I don't know. The angle was just kind of cool. I'll say that. And he's also just been absurdly dominant. So that probably plays a role in it too. But yeah, apparently Batista's was pretty good. I couldn't hear it great. So yeah, like they had fans in the stands recorded. So for those of us, uh, those of you who don't know what we're talking about, the Orioles closer, Felix Bautista, absolutely dominant rookie this year. Uh, he, he changed his entrance to uh, the Omar whistle from the wire. Like where he, uh, he's, he's, you know, I had to go back and rewatch that because the wire's a little before my time. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, it's cool as hell. The the lights on the stadium flicker. It's just it. I don't know why people hadn't used that before in Baltimore. Like everybody in Baltimore loves the wire, and when he comes out to the Omar, it's like oh, chills. So fun little thing they do there. But good closer entrances are are phenomenal. N- you know, number one is though David Bednar, renegade by the sticks. <laughs> gets the gets the yinzers going. Gets the yinzers yep. going. Yeah, um, yes, it does. We should do. Oh, we should do a top five on best closer entrances. Write that. Write that. We got plenty. We got plenty of episodes coming, kid. Closer entrances. Okay. Um, next up for you guys, Aaron Judge. Uh, will he eclipse the sixty home run threshold? So the last, uh, the the highest single season home run total in the last twenty years is his teammate John Carlos Stanton had fifty nine in two thousand seventeen. Judge has got forty four right now. Uh, projections say he'll hit 63 home runs, which is a new club record. And it was also projected to have 139 RBIs and 132 runs, which if he did that, good God. Uh, but do you think that he'll eclipse the 60 home run threshold with, I don't know how many games it's left, like 50-ish? I don't know. What do you think? I think he's gonna. Yeah. That's such a bold statement, dude. 60 homers is so many, like... But yeah, he needs. He's at forty four, and there's like fifty games left, and he's liable to just. I mean, it was only a few weeks ago, where literally I feel like every time I or right after the All Star game, I guess every time I looked, it was like Judge Homers. No, if he hit another one, and he hit another one, it's just like, holy shit, man! I mean, obviously he's a large human, but he's got a great swing, and he plays in Yankee Stadium. I think he's. T- it's crazy. I think he's going to do it, man. My teammate here has 33 or 34. I feel like he has a home run every fucking game. So 60, 44, and then 60 is just like insanity. But, man, I I think he's going to do it. What do you think? I don't know. I usually am on the mindset of that guys peter out around this time of year because it's August. And I think Adam Jones was on here talking about the dog days of August where it's like, you know, the back gets heavier. And you get tired and everything hurts. So, I mean, he, like, he, he's six seven. He's a big guy. So, that you know, durability has obviously been a concern for him in his career. Uh, you're right. It does feel like every time, like, MLB Network would do a cut-in, it's like, yeah, it's the first any or whatever. Let's see if Judge, yep, he hit a home run. So, uh, he does it almost on command now, which is kind of cool. But I, I'm going to say he doesn't do it. I know that's a bummer, and I know that'll, you know, not be great to, to hear, but I don't, I don't know. I don't like it. 60's a lot, man. It's it it's very tough for me to say that he's gonna do that, but I but you you made a great point right there. If he stays healthy, 
which is a huge if he has so far this year, knock on wood for, for yep. Aaron Judge right now. If he stays healthy, I think he's going to do it. That'd be cool. I hope he I hope he does. Yeah. I hope he does because it would be cool to see somebody do that. Yeah, you know, non-steroid induced. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, McGuire and Sosa and, and Bonds and all that did that. But, like, you know, it would be cool to see somebody in the age where you can't do that anymore. Obviously, the, the Roger Maris record is, is still out there. But, um, yeah, I, I think it would be cool. But the Yankees as a whole, though, have struggled big time. Uh, now they're tied with Houston for the best record in the AL. But on June 18th, the Yankees had a nine-game ga- nine lead over the Astros. Since then, their Yankees are 22 and 24, and the Astros are 31 and 15. And whenever they play each other, the Astros always win. It feels like. Uh, if you're a Yankees fan, are are you nervous? I think so. I really do. Not they're going to be in the playoffs, but. That's not what the Yankees are shooting for in the playoffs. That's, you know, they're trying to win the whole thing. So, dude, the Astros got their their number. I I forget what the stats are, but they, you know, when the Astros went to New York and threw the combined no hitter, I, I forget what the <clears throat> the record is. But yeah, the Astros own them. So, yes. p- come playoff time, that is a that is a problem, especially if Houston gets that one seed. By the way, they just – I don't even – like the Astros, I don't even understand. They just win always. It's amazing. Just Verlander. I know. It's crazy. Um, on top of that, the Yankees missed out. Um, Luis Castillo dominated them, who they could see in a playoff series with the Mariners. Also, Matt Carpenter, who's been an absolute revelation in that lineup. I feel bad for him uh, breaking his foot. Yep. His back foot, that's so that's such a random foul ball to hit your back foot like that. That sucks. I'm with uh his buddy over here, Jansen, when he, they went to TCU together and they they work out together in the offseason. Like this whole time we've just been talking about like, you know, how good he's been doing, how pumped he was for him and all this stuff, and then that happened. So oh that that sucks. I feel bad for him. But that really hurts that lineup. Stan's been hurt a little bit again. There, t- it's just I saw <laughs> it was not a good game last night against the Mariners. Um, was the extra inning game where they kind of uh, IKF took it like a def- it was like runner on what was it runner on second or third and he took a defensive swing oh oh and then tried to bunt oh one. And it was like a fastball down the middle, and he pulled back, watched it for a strike. And then the third pitch, he it was runner on second. He hit it right at the pitcher. Whoever's on second, I can't remember who it was, was running the third. Yep. Get him in a rundown out. IKF tries to go to second <laughs> with, with, I believe, Judge and LeMahieu, or LeMahieu and Judge on deck in the top of the 12th inning. Uh, gets doubled up trying to go to second out of the inning. Mariners walk it off <laughs> in the bottom. Of the, I saw like John Boy is like, "What are we doing?" It's, but uh, yeah, it's it hasn't it. it they trade Jordan Montgomery first game he pitches for the Cardinals, shoves <laughs> shoves against the Yankees. Like that, that's just like bad coincidence, luck right there. 
Frankie Montes doesn't have a great debut. I don't know, man, but it's just I feel like the pressure starts mounting big time in New York right around right around now. So uh it's gonna be interesting to see how they finish. Yankees fans also have to be worried about the fact that Judge might be uh, outpricing himself for a return to the Bronx. Uh, you know, I think you and I might have talked about this not on a podcast, but just like the Yankees are the team that can overpay for guys. They can afford guys. And it's crazy how a guy like Aaron Judge turns down that that big contract. I don't know, it was like seven years and it was a lot of money. Um, and then like, like you know, he's he's on pace to have this record-breaking season and he's – I don't know. It's going to be funny to watch the Yankees fans melt down when he signs a gigantic deal somewhere else, though. They can't let him leave. They cannot let him leave. How? How? It can't. Ha- it just can't happen. If they do that, New York fans are going to have an absolute meltdown. But he's been, dude. He's he's their guy. He's like, if they sign him a contract, they're talking like he's going to be like the next New York captain. How are you, how you going to let him walk? You're the New York Yankees. He's played for you your whole career. I mean, Judge, good for you, dude. You turned down that money, and you're you're making yourself look like an absolute genius right now. But it, I just – I don't see – how do you let him walk? It can't be an option. It literally cannot – if you're – Cashman, if you're Steinbrenner, you're the Yankees. How can you let him walk? It'd be a revolt in New York. There'd be protests. I mean, and then who pays him? I don't even know. The Mets? He's going to go to the Mets? Can you imagine that if he goes to the, to the other side of New York, he goes to Queens? Yeah. What a meltdown that would be. But seriously, I mean, the Do- there's no way the Dodgers can pay him, right? No way. Probably, probably is a way, but there's no way. We'll figure it out, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like, where else is he going to go? He's got – he's – that would just be – I would love to see what would happen if he signed with the Mets. That would be – World War III. Just epic. But I don't see it, dude. The Yankees are going to pony up. Judge is going to be a rich man. And what – dude, if you take him away from that team, what do you got? Seriously. Yeah, it's a good point. Giancarlo Stanton, I guess, but I don't I don't like he turned down 7 years 213 and a half. So 30 and a half per year he turned down. Every interview he's done where he's been asked about a return to New York, he's been so like turning the page non-committal. Like I think even at the All-Star game somebody might have asked him yeah. like the little kid is like what would you tell a little kid who wants to see you in, in, in pinstripes the rest of your career? And he's like I, it was some quote it was, he's like, "Well, you know, Dude. things happen." So I think he's mentally already out of New York for whatever reason. I don't know. You know, it, it feels like a cushy job to be the captain of the New York Yankees, the team that drafted you, but he's going to go to the open market. It's going to be good to see the Yankees be taken down a peg though, because now they have to experience what other franchises deal with. And that is watching their star leave for, you know, money or whatever reasons. It just makes the Yankees feel a little bit more human. Like, you know, the Yankees are usually the ones grabbing the other teams as stars but now, like the Minnesota Twins or somebody will scoop uh, Judge up in the offseason and be like, hey, now you know how we feel watching our guys leave. So, how about them apples? <laughs> yeah, that question in the All Star game was ridiculous, by the way. I remember seeing that. Like, 
just put them on the spot. It's just such a, I guess if you're the reporter, it's a good TV, but as a player, it seemed possible, maybe just a little bit unfair in the, in the way, the way it was posed with the, the kid, the kid wants to see you in a Yankees uniform, bring a kid into it. But man, I don't even know where he would go. Honestly, other, other than the Mets, I don't know. I think he's from Vegas. Like, where I you know there's not like a hometown squad yeah like there's not like a hometown squad there I I know you I know he's got a place in Tampa where where uh, you know the Yankees spring training is but I I just don't I feel like the the options are are limited there but they just not even from a money standpoint man like there's you cannot let him leave you cannot let that guy leave that's such a big hole in that lineup. Like it's, I, I really seriously, if, if he's not on that team and they have some other solid players, but if he's not on that team, that whole thing falls apart. I agree. I found the quote, by the way. So the reporter basically asked like, you know, there's a child named Jacob who's upset because he found out that, you know, what if judge is no longer on the Yankees and judge said, quote, Jacob, buddy, we got a lot of great Yankees on this team. There are a lot of great Yankees. <laughs> There's a lot of great Yankees who will be here for a long time. Don't be upset. Hopefully you'll be a judge fan for life. So that was, he turned a very uncomfortable question and made it just even more uncomfortable if you're a New York Yankees fan. People forget that. I will give him, that's a pretty good answer. Uh, on the fly, I don't know what I would have said. That's a pretty good answer. Yeah. Look, there's other people who will be here long term. You could be a Stanton guy. Yeah, yeah literally. Yeah. Um, get their jersey. Yeah, but you know, me on the other hand, <laughs> probably not going to be here and that's okay jacob so oh that's that's poor fantastic jacob. poor jacob yeah what, what do you think he thought about that um so a couple more things uh i saw this that happened on tuesday night at, during the pirates and diamondbacks game and, and we have to talk about it so the pirates have a second year infielder named rodolfo castro and he slid headfirst into third base and his iphone fell out of his back pocket and he didn't see it at first, and then the umpire had to tap him and be like, hey, buddy, that's your phone. He, You know, both the third base coach and Castro had this, like, look of horror, like, oh, my God. Uh, you know, the manager said after the game, the kid made a mistake. I talked to him about it. But I have never – I've watched baseball a long time. I've never seen a phone fall out of a pocket during the game. I'm sure it's happened, but I just don't ever remember it. Have you ever seen something like this before? Never. Never. That is, I can't believe I, I <laughs> when I saw that happen, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. That is the most embarrassing thing that could possibly happen because it basically, I mean, once the game starts, I think it's actually a rule now that I think ever since the Astros stuff, I don't think you're supposed to be on your phones, even in the clubhouse, technically, like while the game's going on. So obviously he was doing that stuck his phone in his pocket to go to the bathroom or something and forgot and brought it, <laughs> brought it out with him. But dude, so one, you already know he was on his phone when he wasn't supposed to be, which, you know, could be kind of no deal, but dude, to go out there to not realize and go out there with it in your pocket and have it fall out like that. Oh my God. That's brutal. That is then you see the third base coach's face is like, are you fucking kidding me? 
Like, you <laughs> fucking idiot. I mean, dude, I would just be, I wouldn't even, like, he didn't even look like he wanted to take it from him. Like, he wanted to make him hold it the whole time. But, dude, it's, man, I've never seen it like that. I've never seen a phone in the dugout like that on a player. We did, I I, I did witness one player, uh, he had his phone in, the, in his back pocket during spring training, and we were doing infield outfield, and he would be on his phone in between his throws from the outfield. Um, so other than that, I haven't really seen it, but, uh, man, I just, I can't even imagine. I, if that was me, dude, I would literally shit my pants. I would be so scared for whatever the manager was going to say to me after the game. Like, you fucking dumbass. Just, oh, that is like one of the, I think, I feel like that's one of the worst things you could actually do, honestly. I, yeah, like I'm he, right there with you. He's never going to hear the end of that from his, well, luckily most of the guys on the Pirates are a little bit younger. We'll have to get Will Crow back on here and ask what he thinks. But, God, you do that with some, with, if you're a young guy and there's some vets on that team, dude, you would literally never hear the end of it. You'd be like fucking tortured for that stuff. Yeah, that'll be held over his head probably for the rest of his time in Pittsburgh, if not Major League Baseball. But yeah, I, you know, just you know, I never like to make a scene or like be the the center of attention or you know storyboard material or whatever. But like for him, that's gonna be that's gonna be a thing. But yeah, I, I was always so curious about the phone thing because I remember Pablo Sandoval when he was in Boston, he got caught like liking pictures on Instagram during the game, and I just and I've always been so curious like. What what do you guys do with what do you guys do with your phone? Like what you know, I personally am addicted to mine, so I can't be with you know more than five feet away from mine at any given time. Um, have you seen guys that are like kind of you know jonesing for you know scrolling the phone during the game? Just in you know, it's in the clubhouse, it's in the lockers. Yeah. Guys go check whatever. I you know, I don't know if guys are sitting on Instagram or they're just but for the most part, people are, you know, watching the game. But when guys are done too, you might go back and do whatever, but I don't know. I really do. I want to say there's a rule about it now. I really do. I don't think you're supposed to be on your phones, but you know, no harm, no foul. It's guys do it. If you can't be on Instagram, in the dugout or like, yeah. I don't know, Pablo Sandoval is doing some things. Maybe you don't realize how much people can actually see what's going on, but, uh, I can tell you one thing. You definitely don't leave it in your pocket and go run the bases or hit. Can you imagine he got drilled in the butt with his phone in there and smashed his phone in half and had to pull his phone out of his pocket after he got hit by a pitch? Or if he, or if he slid feet first instead of head first there? I, when, I, when, he, when it fell out of his pocket, I, don't, I didn't see a phone case on there either. So he's, he's, playing, he's playing with fire running the bases and having not no phone case on like a new iPhone 13 with the three cameras on it. So, you know, oh that's, God. that's the story nobody else is talking about is how, how does nobody, how do you just roll, you know, no phone case nowadays, you know, you just that confident with it that, you know, you're never going to drop it. I wouldn't have that kind of confidence. So maybe he does. No chance. Yeah. And I think that's what killed my major league baseball career. It's just like, you know, when they're like, Hey, put the phone away. I'm just like, I can't, I have to, you know, check, see what Twitter's up to right now. So I think out of any, out of all everything, that's probably why, you know, why I didn't get a chance to play with Brian. In the big Makes game. sense. Yeah, has to be. Sounds it. right. Uh, so that is that is it for the news this week. We have a couple top fives. 
We have uh, the Not For Long Media Top 5. So this is brand new. So each week across all Not For Long Media podcasts, we will be doing top five lists. Uh, this week, we're going to be doing the top five chicken wing flavors. And we're, they're going to make graphics, and it's going to be a whole big thing. So make sure you're following Not For Long Media uh, on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. So uh, like I said, chicken wing flavors is this week. I, I was on there when Colin did his, uh, and I was also on there when Jack in the Back did his. Uh, you know, these get very contentious, and you know, everybody's tastes are a little bit different. So I'll let you go first, and then yeah, we'll, we'll kind of roll with it. I'm boring, man. I'm typical, but this is we're gonna go number five is teriyaki. Every once in a while, it's not really, uh, not really even a thing for me. But number four is barbecue. Same thing. It's just like another slightly above. Like if they're there. If I'm out, you know, at somebody's party watching football and I got some, I'll probably have one. But if I'm ordering them, probably not going to get it. Three would be garlic and or garlic Parmesan, depending. We're getting a little more in my territory here. I would order some of those. I am a fan of those. But then two would be hot. Give me some hot with just some blue cheese. I'm ready to go. That's what I'm going to get. And then number one, even more standard, is just mild slightly below hot perfect just a little bit of that zing hot i'm like sweating and my tongue's burning and i'm like gulping down water as i'm as i'm eating them miles like perfect just hot enough i'm really enjoying it good flavor classic man and that's me i'm i'm not hard to impress i just need i just need the classics I like that. I like that a lot. I think we have pretty similar tastes. I don't like I'll, every once in a while. I have one kind of hot ish on mine, but for the most part, I don't like to have my mouth burn. If I'm at a Buffalo Wild Wings, I'm gonna look like an idiot because I'm just drinking everything in sight because my mouth is on fire. I don't like that feeling. But you know, if somebody orders like for the table or something, that's usually when I'll I'll venture into that territory. Number five, I have buffalo. Get crazy every once in a while. Just get a couple buffalo wings. Number four, I have lemon pepper. You know, it's not not going to burn your face off. A little dry rub on there. Number three, I just have medium. Classic wing sauce. You know, it's, it's you know, tried and true. Number two, I have honey barbecue. Because I said, like I said earlier, I don't like to have my mouth burn. I actually like to enjoy things that are a little sweeter. And number one, uh, I'm going to borrow Colin's number one. It's Old Bay or like a honey Old Bay. Uh, that's a Maryland staple. If you go to like the Green Turtle or any place you see on a menu and you're like, oh, damn, Old Bay, you got to get it. So uh, that's that's my Maryland in me. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I don't like the feeling of my mouth on fire. I don't know how people do that. I've never had old Bay wings, but I would definitely like them. So I'd be curious about that. <clears throat> Philly chickies and Pete's old Bay on fries and other things. Phenomenal big old Bay guy. So I definitely, I'd be interested in trying those. That's, that's, that sounds like a good one. You ever had a bow teeny? It's, it's we have a, a natty bow and you salt the rim with old Bay. Again, that just might be a Maryland thing, <laughs> but uh, nope, never have. Yeah, it's if you ever if you ever venture like up to, if you ever venture up this way when you come back home, it's you got to you got to try it. It'll change your life. Um, so that is our not for long media top five. And then for the baseball, the Breaking Bats top five for this week, uh, we're gonna be ranking the top five best baseball nicknames. So uh, I also I think I'll start us off with this one. My reasoning for this is just kind of like. I like guys that are so synonymous with their nickname that you can just call them the nickname and guys will like know immediately who they're talking about. So number five, I have the Todd father, Todd Frazier. I, I just love 
I, I don't even think I've actually ever called him Todd Frazier. I just call him the Todd father. So uh, that is number five. Number four, Pablo Sandoval, a.k.a. the Kung Fu Panda. We talked about him liking pictures on the in the dugout during the games. Uh, Kung Fu Panda or just Panda. You can, you know, interchange that one there. Uh, you know, origin of that one, he was sliding into home plate. And just like the movie character, Kung Fu Panda, he did like an acrobatic thing where he like dove around the the slide and whatever. It was cool. So uh, Pablo Sandoval, Kung Fu Panda. Number three, I have Randy Johnson, the big unit. I just think that's a timeless one, 6'10 or 6'11 or however tall he is. That's a big unit. So Randy Johnson. Number two, going classic, I'm going Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. I looked up, he, he slugged 755 with 10 home runs and five World Series appearances. So Reggie Jackson, synonymous with Mr. October. And last but not least, I've never actually called him by his real name, I feel like. I just call him Big Poppy. I'm talking about David Ortiz. Poppy being Poppy, or just Poppy, I think when guys' nicknames supersede their actual name, like nobody calls him David. Everybody calls him Poppy. <laughs> so that's, that's my five uh, top five best nicknames. There's some good ones right there. I, we have two of the same. <clears throat> we'll get there in a minute. My number five is the big hurt, Frank Thomas. As a hitter, that's a that's just a good nickname when you're coming up to the plate, the big hurt. It sounds like you're going to do some damage, which he did. Great swing, even though he's gigantic. But uh, that's my number five. Number four, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. Love that name. I mean, it, it could be – the best nickname of all time because it sounds like you're the most clutch player of all time, Mr. October. Side note, met him in the Arizona Fall League. He was where the Yankees guys were on a different team. He's from right outside Philadelphia. He went to Sheltonham High School, so not far from, from where I'm from. Uh, and I was taking swings with my hitting coach in there. And I like out of the corner of my eye when I looked like it, you know, real quick could see Reggie Jackson was standing there with, I don't know, someone else from the Yankees, like watching me hit off the tee. And I was like, Holy shit, it's fucking Reggie Jackson. And uh, after a couple swings, you know, my hitting coach, like, you know, talked to him and kind of introduced ourselves. And next thing you know, I'm getting like a 40, 45 minute hitting lesson from Reggie Jackson in the, in the cage. Pretty nuts. So Mr. October, number four. Yeah. One of the, one of the cooler moments of my baseball career. Uh, number three, the wizard, Ozzie Smith. You don't even, uh, you could already tell what he did, what he did, what he was good at or the best at fielding baseballs, the wizard. Come on. And he did backflips, which was sick too. I would probably snap my neck if I tried to do a backflip. Number two, big poppy, David Ortiz. You're right. That's he's big poppy. He's not David. You know, big poppy It's big poppy. <laughs> David Ortiz, the best. And number one, my personal favorite is Fred McGriff, Crime Dog. Love that one. I don't know why. I think it's hilarious. I just looked up the origin of that. Apparently, there was uh, some cartoon McGruff mm-hmm. took a bite out of crime, and Berman gave him gave gave Crime Dog to Fred McGriff. I love it. Phenomenal. That's my favorite nickname of all time for sure. But there's, man, when I was thinking of this. There's a lot of really good ones. There's some serious baseball nicknames. I mean, the Splendid Splinter, Ted Williams, all of Babe, Babe – well, I guess Babe Ruth is technically a nickname, but all of Babe Ruth's George, nicknames. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's – I mean, even Noah Syndergaard, Thor. Mm-hmm. Like, there's 
there's a ton, man. And Kung Fu Panda is a really good one too. But, but I never realized how many great baseball nicknames there were. I think baseball more so than any other sport is like the nickname thing where it's like, guys can have these, these names that people call them by instead of their real names. And you know, immediately who you're talking about. Um, some great ones on your list. Yeah. I love the, I, I almost put the crime dog in there at number five, uh, just because, you know, it's not really like, you know, he was before my time McGriff was, but you know, when you go back and you watch, you're like, God damn, that guy, that guy killed baseballs. Um, I have some cool honorable mentions. You're right. Noah Syndergaard, Thor, Rich Hill is Dick Mountain. When he did Players Weekend Unis, no, he had no. to put he had to put D period Mountain because he can't obviously can't have Dick on there. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out to him, Shane Victorino, the Flying Hawaiian. That could have made a list. That's a good one. That's, That's a good one. Cal Ripken, the Iron Man, and then Jose Bautista, Joey Bats. Joey Bats. Yeah, I don't think it'd those be are two. Them. Yeah. No, but those two, dude, Flying Hawaiian and Joey Bats are up there. Definitely, definitely good ones. Good calls. Yeah, it's a fun one. Yeah, bats. When when you, when the name be, when the nickname gets used more than the actual name, that's what I look for. So uh, that is that vote on these. Uh, you know, we haven't we haven't done a good voting thing in a while. I think we did uh, play, Juan Soto destinations, but I was a little late putting that up. But I won that one. But I don't really count that one in my in my win column because that you know I put mine up and then he got traded ten minutes later. So I was like, well kind of like a that victory is kind of tainted yeah i think you're making that up that doesn't count <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna count it on the official record once we get back to fridays <laughs> voting on the app breaking bats pod instagram stories uh so check those out and and vote for for brian or i on there so last but not least we have our fudging awesome moment of the week presented to you by our sponsor the original fudge kitchen you can find them at Fudge Kitchens with an S.com. Shipping sweet treats all over the country. Our Jersey Shore Philly listeners, as the summer's winding down, unfortunately, make sure to stop in and see them at one of their locations in Ocean City, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Cape May, Stone Harbor. It's the best. I literally cannot wait to get back to America so I can order some fudge and sit on my couch and eat all of the fudge for about a week straight before I start moving again. But they ship all over the country. Great saltwater taffy, too. You guys got to check it out. Find them at fudgekitchenswithans.com. That's the original Fudge Kitchen. All right, we got a, a really cool one this week. So the Miami Marlins have a rookie outfielder named J.J. Blade. He did something very cool on Tuesday night against the Philadelphia Phillies. So J.J. is from PA. I think he's from Danville. It's kind of up near Scranton-ish, just kind of out in the middle I'm of nowhere. Fuck. <laughs> Shout out. Um, so JJ is a PA guy, his girlfriend, Emily, she's a Philly girl. So, uh, they packed the right field bleachers at citizens bank park. When the Marlins came to town, I think they had like 75 people with like friends and family. His girlfriend, Emily told JJ before the game, I want you to hit a home run to right field. Cause that's where everybody's going to be sitting. And he did in the fourth inning. He took J- JJ took Zach Wheeler deep. The ball landed in the first couple rows, not in like the 75 people party that they had there. So uh, one of Emily's friends, like a family friend, went up to the guy who caught it. was like, hey, I'll give you 100 bucks for the ball. And then the fan, in, in typical Philly fashion, was like, no, how about 200 And so the, the guy gave him 200 bucks for JJ's home run, and his girlfriend Emily was able to get the ball. And they, you know, the TV people came over and interviewed about it. But I thought that was very cool for her to get the ball back. Not very cool to have like a bargaining session 
for it's like it's the girlfriend of the guy who who hit it once the ball not nah, double it like what i okay that was that was the only thing that rubbed me wrong what did you think about that gotta respect the hustle guy wants a couple extra cheesesteaks after the game you know i can't i can't hate him for that that's just it's what we do in philly we're intense and we care we can't care less so we have to charge extra for first home run balls but awesome for the kid good for him that's that's got to be really cool um hopefully that guy put his 200 dollars to good use didn't buy too many twisted tees after the game go down to xfinity live after the game yeah go down go down there and just hang out i i know what's up yeah oh you know you know philly so well i know that big parking lot where you just go the mecca in the middle of it just go hang out after the game get a couple pops Listen, this is one thing that nowhere else is like that. Philly, all the stadiums are right there, and it's a good time whenever – there's times where they, they the three intersect, and it's just – yeah, it's a gigantic party down there. They, and yeah, they put an Xfinity Live and all that stuff in there now too. It probably makes an absolute killing every time there's a game. But uh, that is one cool thing about Philly – that you can, you know, you see all the stadiums are just right there, right next to each other. It's not fun. Although the Sixers are, no, it's not fun getting out of there and all. And apparently the Sixers are going to build a fucking arena right in the middle of, of everything, which sounds like a horrible idea to me, but what do I know? Not a lot. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause we, Colin, I was on Colin's podcast, the Colin Thompson show available wherever you get your podcasts. And we were talking about that a couple weeks ago because you're right that the Sixers want to build an arena in center. It's like Center City down by like the the fashion district and near Chinatown or something. Uh, they want to tear like an old ball down and build it there. But you're not. You wouldn't go to Sixers games if it was downtown. Dude, that is such a nightmare to get to. Like the stadiums are already a nightmare to get to, but at least they're all right there, right off 95. You want to go like in Center City, Center City, man. Forget it. That's gonna take. Talk about taking forever. I don't even know where you, where you're gonna park. Where are you going to park down there? Huh? Tell me where there's parking because there isn't. They're going to build a whole new garage for Sixers, for Sixers parking. I don't know. I just listen. The city life is not for me anymore. I, I love Philly for growing up there and living right by there for my first 25 years of life. But it's uh, those days, those days are done for, for your boy. So no, I will not be attending Sixers games there. <laughs> oh, that hurts. I, that's what the Wizards do. The Wizards play downtown DC in Chinatown. You take the metro. You park in like one of those many, you know, private garages around there. You could, same thing in Philly. You could take whatever public transits down there. Take the train in. Park in whatever garages around. I don't know. I kind of like it. I don't. I don't necessarily love getting out of South Philly when there's thirty thousand cars trying to get out of two exits. I'll tell you that. That the design of the exits there could be better. I will definitely say that, but uh, I'm also not a huge fan of getting on the train in South Philly or in DC. Mm, so, fair. Um, fair you know, here in Japan, there's like six year old kids going to school on the train every day by themselves in their little school uniforms. You don't see that in Philly and DC, put it that way. <laughs> I think that's a great way to end today's episode. <laughs> Brian, not a fan if the Sixers build their new arena in 10 years in downtown Philadelphia. He will not be, will not be cheering on the 76ers, apparently.
and that's okay. I, I will always cheer on the 76ers. I would just do it from the comfort of my couch in my house, a lot of miles away in Gulf Breeze, Florida, but it's a good episode. We, uh, we had to, we had to, uh, pivot a little bit here. Uh, we had a guest lined up last minute cancellation, but we'll have them on next week. And, but a lot of good stuff, a lot of random stuff in here as well. A lot of me rambling, Good, Which is good rambling though. Yeah, I think I think people good. are gonna enjoy this one. I think I think people, uh, you know, I think people appreciate a good you and I episode because we can dive into topics and and you know learn funny stories and get like anecdotes about Reggie Jackson and uh you know your your shortstop buddy from the from the Reds who couldn't understand who he was talking about. We wouldn't get that with a guest. So, yep. I mean, it's if there's one thing I have from baseball it's a lot of stories. So one of these days we'll get, we'll get more out there, but for now, this will have to do for now. And I'm just trying to finish out the season strong and get the lions a championship over here. That's what we're going to do. All right. We'll see you guys next week. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band stick figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music. 